welcome to today's edition of the Bradley Hall Show. I am your host, the Bradley Hall. All right. First, I wanted to just quickly say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you enjoy our content, please share it with friends and family or even strangers on social media and help us get the word out. We certainly would appreciate it. Also, if you are interested in finding out more about me and or working with me, please visit my website at www.thebradleyhall.com. Thanks again for the support, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, welcome back. Today, my guest is former NFL linebacker Dennis Haley of the Baltimore Ravens. And Dennis has released a new book called The Playbook, The Art of Dreaming. And he's here with us today to discuss uh, the release of his new book and uh, his family. And we're, we're grateful to have him. Welcome, Dennis. Hey, what's up, Bradley? Hey, what's going on, Dennis? How you doing, man? Doing all right? I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you better yeah. believe it. Did you guys, yes. did you get any of this nasty weather? We did. Um, so Wednesday night, we got a lot of ice. We probably got about a quarter inch, probably about a half inch of ice here in okay. Southwest Virginia that kind of shut things down for a day, day and a half. So yeah, yeah. but not too bad. It warmed up today. So everything's kind of melt, melting away. Yeah. My son just moved to Richmond just a month okay. ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They, they said they didn't hardly get anything. So there must be in kind of a split between what was coming through the Midwest and what was really on the coast. And you, yeah. like you kind of got caught maybe in the middle of it. Yep. Yep. It was kind of, we got a little bit, not as bad. It was calling for more. We kind of got like, you didn't really, it did do it. We got more ice and snow or anything. Yeah. So did, did yeah. it melt? It did. Yeah, it did. Yep. <laughs> it, did, it did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That helps people. Texas. Yeah. Uh, you know, wish theirs had melted. Sure. No, it's yeah, that's a, that's it's just crazy. You know, when you don't have it and you're not prepared, and it's it's just, it, it all piles on. It's just like man, it's yeah. tough. I feel yeah, sad. I, I just feel bad. Yeah, and I remember a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was around uh, the Super Bowl that it snowed. It got real cold and snowed in Dallas. You know, it wasn't northern snow. Right. And it was bad enough, but I think it lasted like two or three days and then it was over. You know, these people yeah. know what to do when it doesn't go away. They don't know what to do. No, no. And they don't have furnaces or, you know, they don't have heaters. And yeah, it's, you know, I yeah. mean, even clothes, even clothing wise, you know, you like think, OK, how many jackets and extra clothing do they really have in Texas compared to what I would have here in Virginia? Yeah. 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 And I've, I've heard uh, of roofs collapsing because they're not they're, yeah. not they're not built to hold the snow um a barn's collapsing i know one of my I, I have a friend of mine who they have been going out into their car to warm up and, and charge their phones uh, wow yeah wow yeah, yeah. and that right and that's tough because i've heard of some you know incidents with the carbon monoxide and people sleeping in their cars it's you just feel you know you just feel this sad situation yeah 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 yeah, yeah for sure so uh, well, I, I appreciate you joining me uh, on this. I guess I don't have it. I had. I thought I was going to have an opening, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I usually just wing it, but we're kind of doing it backwards. Usually, I just start from the beginning and wing it. But I, yeah. I appreciate you being here for sure. No, thank you. No, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, 
Yeah. So let, let's kind of for for anybody that's that's watching or listening, let's kind of let's kind of run down the accolades, shall we? Let's let them know who 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 we're talking to. All right. So this is a former NFL linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, Dennis Haley. Now, so uh, I, I want to make sure I got this right. You're a three time state champion in Virginia in the late nineties. Four. Four. <laughs> three of three of football, one in basketball. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's that, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That do you? Um, I I don't want to get caught up on that, but do you look back and think about how lucky you are to be able to do that? There are a lot of great athletes that get, that never even come close to that. Yeah, I do. I do. I do look back. It's funny. I actually um, being that it's Black History Month this year, my high, former high school has asked me to be their keynote speaker for the month. So I went around to the high school, the middle school, the elementary school, and did some like inserts since everything now is going to be virtual, but I actually went there and did a couple cuts and it was just, you know, you go back and you look and it's the first time I've been in that building in a long time. And I, I did, I was just like, man, how blessed for the opportunity to be able to play for a school that had tradition like that. And then to just be able to win four titles, that's uh, kind of unheard of. Um, so yeah, definitely blessed for the, for that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So as a father of, of two collegiate athletes, uh, both my boys, one played football, one played basketball, both for programs that the entire time they were there were ranked in the top five, usually around number one, somewhere around number one uh, for the three or four seasons that they were there. And um, both of them advanced to the semifinal game and both of them had a disaster happen in the semifinal game. And they, they lost to a team they should have beaten that ended up winning the state championship. And so it, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not haunting, but we still talk about it, you know, about how, how things didn't. So one of the things I, I've coached for a long time, one of the things I always say is that when you require skill, a little bit of skill, a little bit of coaching and a whole lot of luck. For sure. No, yeah. it, it is. Uh, it, it definitely is. It's, it is all three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Well, that, that's really cool. I didn't know that about the fourth one. Um, yeah. and, and then you played at the university of Virginia for, for mm -hmm. Algro, right? I did. I, I played for Al Grove, but I got my first year. I was with George, the Hall of Fame coach George Welsh recruited me, and I was with him my first year, and then he retired. Very cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. how did that? How did when he retired? How did that go? Were you were you worried when he left? Was there a panic? You know what? In? There there wasn't for me because I was. I think personally, I was going to Virginia regardless. Like I just, I picked the school. I mean, I love George Welsh. I loved the coaching staff, but I love Virginia more, if that makes sense. Like I really fell in love yeah. with the school, the campus, the tradition of the school and the program. And when Welsh left, I mean, we all knew Welsh was, he was, you know, he was nearing his last year or two when I got there. So it wasn't a huge surprise. And I had red shirted my first year. So, you know, I was okay because I was, you know, I was starting new again uh, coming in. So it was, it was okay. I, I didn't have any t any doubts or anything because I was real sure that I wasn't playing, so it wasn't like I had started something. And okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of these questions are just questions. Being uh, being a sports fan over the years, I, I've wondered when kids commit and then a coach leaves, or uh, yep. you, you know that that kind of thing. So I appreciate you uh, filling me in on that. So and then yeah. um, then you went to the NFL. Did you go straight to the Baltimore Ravens? I didn't. I, yeah, I came, I came out as a free agent, uh, undrafted free agent, uh, 2005 with, uh, the New York jets. They That's picked right. me up. Yep. 
which interesting enough, one of my college coaches uh, left the year before I went to New York. So there was a relationship with my uh, with one of my coaches at UVA that I knew that was at the Jets. So that's how that that's how that even all came about and ended up with the New York Jets. Nice. Yeah. Great. And then you uh, you played for the Baltimore Ravens. Yep, I did. I was with the Ravens for three years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, that was under Brian Billick, right? It was. Yep. Great, great coach. Who cool. some great, some great players on them teams. Is this is this where I tell you I'm a Colts fan? Uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's a, I, you uh, know, I, so uh, yeah, I, you guys right. lost to the first. Well, you were there. You lost to the Colts in the first round, right? To Manning. Yes. What was yeah, it like to that, get, that, play against Manning? Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was pretty pretty crazy just to think about being in that situation. And even when I was in it, I can remember being like, "Man, I'm playing against Peyton Manning in the AFC." playoff game and yeah it was yeah we we should have won that game i'll never forget that one that was a crazy that was a crazy game you know there's always games you play a thousand games as kids and you only remember the few that you lost and that was one of them (laughs) yeah yeah i just talked about two of them as a father with my kids i know exactly what you're talking about um that's pretty cool you know to look back and be able to tell your kids and your grandkids you played against peyton manning you know um yeah that's pretty exciting so um, all right, I got to ask. My nephew is a huge football fan, yeah. and uh, he brought it to my attention that Charles Haley is also from Virginia, and and he wants to know if there's any relation. There is no relation that I know of. Now, okay. every I mean, dude, I've grown up. He and he grew up just probably two hours down the road from where from where I grew up. So, as I know, no relation. Okay. But man, what a great what a great player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what a great For sure. Player. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, right. You talk about, uh, and I can't even think off the top of my head how many rings he has. But I think I know he has he's five. A, yeah, I was gonna say I think it's about five Super Bowl rings that he won. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, so I, I, we wanted to come here and talk about you. You, you released a book called uh, "The Playbook: The Art of Dream Making." And I know we want to talk. I know you don't want to talk too much about it. You want people to buy the book, right? I mean, yeah, right. But, um, <laughs> no. I, 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 if you want to, uh, would you go ahead and, and, you know, give your spiel, give your, your elevator speech and tell us what it's all about? Yeah. Um, yeah. The playbook, the art of dreaming. Um, it's about my, it's my story. And really it's, it's an autobiography with um, lessons learned uh, in it. And I created it. And I really, I wrote it for the fact to be able to share my story and for um, the next generation, boys, girls, men, women, for anybody to read it, to really use it as a playbook. Because when you think of a playbook, you think, okay, you're using that to learn from. That's your plays. That's what you're going to use to win the game and to be successful. And that's why I wrote it. So they could read the story, read my stories, read my successes, read my failures, read read about what I did and how I overcame my obstacles and use that in their life and use those life lessons and those life hacks um, to help them um, fulfill their dreams. And that's why I call it the playbook. And then the art of dreaming is the process. It's the the process to, to dream. And there's an art to it. And you can't just do it. You can't just dream and nothing happened. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the sacrifice. You have to, you know, you have to have the self, the self-worth. You have to be disciplined. So that's the art of dreaming is the process in between having your dream, having a goal and achieving it. Okay. I, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, you going through that. Is it, 
is it geared for for young athletes? Is it geared geared for parents of young athletes? Geared for anybody who do anything? Yeah, it's it's geared for anybody. I really, I mean, I think young athletes reading it would will get a lot out of it because. I really go through kind of in depth my mindset through middle school, my mindset through high school and some of the obstacles I had to overcome with academics and being a student athlete. And then in college, um, going through the the ebb and flows of being a student, having academic um, issues, overcoming academic issues, not playing a lot my first couple of years to being suspended to then playing and then having the dream of playing in the NFL and coming to kind of reputation and you know there's a lot of athletes out there at all levels that I think could get a lot out of the out of this book yeah it sounds like it so you, you I mean you go into pretty good pretty good detail about being that age and your thought process and I, did you think about did you ever think about quitting yeah I mean I I don't know necessarily quitting I think before I got to and I'll start even in middle school like sixth seventh grade I was okay I was an okay player. I sixth grade, I it didn't play that much. Seventh grade, I barely played um, on the middle school team. And then it was like once, you know, that mindset once eighth grade hit, and I think mentally I was prepared and I wanted to play. And you kind of go through that puberty growth spurt type thing, and you know, you just mentally by eighth grade you're kind of like, okay, I'm 13. This is what I want to do. This is what I dream of doing. And at that point, I just was like, okay, I want to play football. And it, it, just, it just clicked with me about, about the age of 13. And that's when I knew, per, I knew my, and you know, you, and I tell people, you, you want to be humble, but you, you, want to, you want to be, it's like a humble hustle. You want to know your worth. And if you're good, you want to tell yourself, man, I'm, I can play this game. And, you know, I can be better than the next person if I put in the work and I, and I put in. And that's just, that was my mindset from literally eighth grade all the way through high school. Yeah. Well, so how hard was it going from winning four state titles to not playing in college? Tough. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was very tough because, again, that 18, 19-year-old age is a tough age for a young boy or girl um, coming into their own kind of adulthood, uh, per se. And, you know, you, sometimes you don't know how to handle it. And for me I had besides not playing school for me was not as of as important as it needed to be at that time also so I had a couple things going that were tugging me off my path and off my dream um and then in the in the book which I won't tell you about there's a there's a scandal that happened with me also um with a professor and a bunch of different stuff that went on so I had a lot going on a lot going that could have put me off my path. My first three years, three years of college was was rough, but I had met my wife, my now wife, um, my sophomore year in high, in high school, in college, and we met and she moved up with me through this scandal. And I think without her, my mom and my dad and kind of my brother and support staff, man, it's, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, I think that's important. I'm 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 glad I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I I've coached I've coached athletics for about thirty years, and mm-hmm. I have a I've coached a lot a lot of players. A lot of them played D one basketball. Um, a couple a couple of them in the NBA, and a couple of them have played overseas. I've seen a lot of kids who had the talent, had things going for them, 
and the littlest thing derails them, whether it's, mm-hmm. whether it's grades, whether it's girls, whether it's alcohol, uh, whether it's just tired of the struggle and they want to do something mm-hmm. else. And, and then they yeah. come back later and wish they hadn't, yeah. um, you know, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a famous player from, uh, Indianapolis who, uh, went to Tennessee and completely, um, destroyed his career. And, um, and he, he spent a lot of time trying to get back into D1, D, D, do you remember J- Jimmy Banks? I remember, yes, I remember the name. Yes. Yeah. Peyton Manning actually yep. said that Jimmy Banks or that, um, um, oh, I just drew a blank. The Tennessee coach that Manning played for. Oh, no uh gosh what's his name i can't think of the name off the top of my head Palmer. yes yeah, yeah. there you go yeah. peyton Ma- peyton manning um told someone i know that Fulmer had said that jimmy banks one of the best athletes he'd ever seen his entire life that's that's a hell of a compliment yeah um jimmy had some problems in at tennessee left tennessee and then ended up in, in a d2 program trying mm-hmm. you know a few years later trying to get it back and, and he never did so um, I, I think it's, it's amazing that even, even good people with mm-hmm. a good support structure, there's always still something that can come up and, and derail you. And I think that's a good message for these kids to hear, um, that even if you're doing everything right, something can still trip you up. So if you're, if you're not, if you're not committed, you're not trying to walk the straight and narrow, then that the odds of that happening intensify. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I I fully agree, and I like how you how you put it. Um, and it's it's good, and I think it's good sometimes because you don't always have to come from ba- a bad family, come from a bad neighborhood, come from inner city. All those those three things are very relevant and very true. But you can come from you can come from a mom and dad, you can come from a good support system, and you're still gonna have struggles. And that was me, and I think that's my story is I wasn't that person, but I was this, and I still have the same struggles and the same same things happen. And we all come, and at that point, that's where we all meet in the middle and you got to make a decision because we all have something that is going on in our lives, no matter where you come from. And I think in college, more college, because you have kids from all over that are good and that come together that have never really been on their own. And that's where, you know, that's where that kind of thin line is, is who's going to have the mindset to, if you because we all gonna get off path it, it, it's almost inevitable even through life you're gonna you're not gonna stay on that straight path to success yeah. but it's who has who has the mindset and who has the fortitude to get back on track to continue their dream so yeah 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 that's right that's good all right so um and you have uh you have a couple daughters that you coach is that right so you're going through got, this process I'm, with them we got three three daughters wow. that are yeah, that are what one's in my 13 year old eighth grader. She does basketball and track. And I've got two, my 11 and eight year old, they're full time gymnasts. So we're, we're all up and down the East Coast with them for gymnastics. This is gymnastics season. So yeah, it's nonstop. So since your view has changed on all this, now you're on, now you're on the other side. <laughs> right. What What's What's the biggest lesson you can draw from that, from being the athlete to being the parent of the athlete? I think for, for and I'll say it for my daughter, who is a, she's a gymnast and, and she's, it's been more competitive for her at an early age. Um, and I think her the lesson for her is just mental, just her mental toughness. 
and not necessarily for me, but it's really teaching her that, okay, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall, but let's, you know, next play. Like I, I preach that next play because don't learn from the, learn from, you know, things that go bad and then don't make the same mistake twice. And let you know, and, and learn from that. And the same with my with my daughter in track. You know, it's watching her run races. You you win some, you lose some, and <clears throat> just that next play. And I think that's the biggest thing for me that teaching them is really even kill. I'm an even kill person and personality, and I I think that helped me. I know, actually I know it helped me, and I know it's helped me even now through through where I am in my in the business world. Is like be excited, be sad. But let's go to the next play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do you hear your coaches come out of your mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes I sometimes I'm like, I probably shouldn't. Have, I probably shouldn't have said. It. I probably shouldn't have said that to her. <laughs> I should probably be a little nicer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything that you uh, that you scoffed at, rolled your eyes as a player that that you now uh, now you say to your your daughter and your own players. Yeah, I, I do. This is what this is one saying from uh, Al Grove. Never forget. And it was a, it was actually like it's a lesson learned that I was like, OK, it makes sense. I will treat everybody fairly, but I will not treat you equal. And that, you know, like that, that stuck with me because even, even with my and even with my daughter, three girls. That's not fair. That Why did this happen? And I say it like I will treat you. I will treat you fairly. And I will, but I, I'm not going to treat you the same. And, it, you know, that tell my players that, but, you know, based off of work ethic, based off of, off of ability. Like, that's just something that stuck with me. And I, that's something I, I say all the time. And I laugh at it. I say it jokingly with my with, with kids that I play and they laugh too, but, you know, they get it and they understand it. Yeah. I, I like, I like that saying. I, I, I've, I've had that philosophy as a parent and as a coach, I say all the time with, with my boys, they're, they're in their twenties and thirties now. Mm-hmm. That, I, that one of them I had to I had to beat until he was twelve, and the other one I didn't have to start beating until he was twelve. Yep, um, that's exactly <laughs> yep. what you're talking about right there. Yep, that's um, it. <laughs> but I think I think when you look at um at, when you look at some of the greater uh, some of the great coaches like Chachevsky at Duke, uh, he's real good at meeting his players where they're at and, and discovering their strengths, knowing knowing what to take advantage of, how to work it into the system, and letting the players play. And I know he's got a system; he comes from Bobby Knight and that kind of thing. But I I think it's a true testament to his success. And I know you probably have a string of coaches that you could, you could name do that. And I, I think they follow that Al Grove philosophy mm-hmm. uh, to meet the player where they're at and treat them according to their personality, what drives them, what motivates them, that kind of thing. I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. That's exactly it. And you, not, not everybody is for everybody. And I say that because Al Grove came in to UVA and he is a Bill Parcells um, lineage from that and that's tough that's tough that's a tough-minded tough you know tough physical-minded person so he didn't take any crap and he wasn't he wasn't babying you know young men either and that took a lot to get used to for players and some players you know some players didn't like him some and you know most players didn't like him and some did but I grew up with a high school coach that was the same way so I liked I like, I like coaches like that. I like tough coaches. I want you to be tough on me and I want you to push me and not let me slack off if I'm capable. And that was, you know, that's a, that's a bill part. That's Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. It's the same, yeah. just no nonsense kind of 
butthole sometimes mentality, not on purpose, but that's just how they, you know, that's just how they came across. But I'll tell you, you know, guys like that, especially Al Gro, he, he did want, I mean, he worked wonders for me at UVA when things were going south for me, he helped me get on path and he gave me a lot of second chances to be successful because he believed it and he was tough on me. And, you know, what do they say when the coach isn't tough and he stops coaching you and stops talking to you, that's when you need to worry. Yeah. You so, better believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You better believe it. So, um, what was great. And I, I don't know a whole lot about, um, grows coaching style. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Bill Parcells fan. I'm huge. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have a, I have a problem. One of the things that, because I, I watch football with a coach's mindset because I've coached for so long. Right. I just kind of have a strategic mindset. So one of the things that drives me nuts is penalties, man, just penalties. And I can tell you, I can, I, I talk a lot about teams, even teams that are having mild success. It'll derail with the penalties. It'll eventually catch up mm. with them. Yeah. Um, was, and I would imagine one, one thing Parcells is known for and Belichick's known for is, is a lack of penalties. Was Grohl that mindset as well that he, that he set the discipline? That was it. Discipline. That was it. It's smart, tough focus. I, I can, even now I, I can remember the saying on our shirts, smart, tough focus. And that was his mentality. Yeah. You made mistakes. Um, you get penalties. You, you weren't playing and it didn't matter how good you were, but you weren't playing. And, tell you what kind of coach he I mean he was he was a tough coach but he taught he taught the game you know how he knew it and would would he be a successful coach today no not because he not because of him but just because of you know the tough yeah. mind I don't think he'd be successful today as a as a head coach just based on his style of coach but you know he came to Virginia and he we were we were winning and he made us win because he made us tough and he made us physical and um i mean i just remember when he i can remember saying if you get hurt and you're on the field don't lay there so if your leg ain't broke and your feet work you bet not lay on that field and let the trainer come out and get you and i had a specific game and my my wife she remembered she was in the stands at the time i took a you know i'm a linebacker so i'm wrestling with an offensive lineman and i took a knee like he knee drop you know how you I was on my back. Yeah, yeah. He needs he knee dropped me right in my stomach. And I swore he broke every rib in my in my body. But I laid there for probably I say three seconds. And I and in my head at that time I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get up, but my feet aren't hurt. I'm gonna crawl off this field before he don't <laughs> before Coach Grove yells at me. <laughs> so that's the type that's just the type of like, you know, mentality that he put in us. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's, well, that, know, that's, that, that's that get back up when you're knocked when you're knocked down get back up mentality yep. you you think yep. you think i know you said your high school coach was like that mm -hmm. how, how do you think having both those coaches um instill that kind of a discipline and work ethic has it carried over to your adulthood outside of football it it had it, ha it, de it definitely has because you know in business and work whatever you're doing you want to be you want to be um you know you want to do it you want to do your job you want to do it right and you want to be, you know, you want to be disciplined in it. And I think for me, I like, you know, I don't want, I don't want a guessing game. You know, I want what I'm, you know, what I need to do, what we need to do as a team, what goals we need to reach. You know, I like to have specific goals, specific like KPIs, let's say for work, key performance indicators. I like, I want that stuff. And I want my, my VP or my boss to tell me, Hey, look, this is a, this is what we need to get done. This is, you know, I want it laid out. And that's how my coaches were. They were very straightforward. 
very focused and you know had i don't you know and, and i like that some people take offense to that direct approach um and i think my management style it's helped me as a man it's helped me because i know the difference now and i know you can't be that direct but it's good to be that direct and then on the other side of it be personal be relatable and be engaged you know with your team so i think it, it has helped me to know what to do and what not to do if that makes sense yeah it it makes it makes perfect sense because yeah i have the same i have the same philosophy when um I, when i moved from indiana indiana is a big basketball everybody mm-hmm. knows that you know? <laughs> yeah I moved, to, I moved to florida and i began coaching down here and it's a completely different world and just little things like when you run the sprints, touching the baseline. You know, my players knew no, uh, no matter what you did, even if you fell down, you, you, you crawl like Dennis Haley crawling off the sideline with broken ribs. You, 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 yeah. you touch the baseline. Yeah. When, and, and, but all, a lot of players in Indiana have that mentality. But I came down mm-hmm. here and, and these kids would pull up you know, three feet short of the baseline and turn around and run the other direction. Just, yep. Just to be first. <laughs> <laughs> and it see, it seems so trivial, but touching the baseline is the discipline of being tired and not wanting to, to reach down and touch the baseline, but you have a directive to do so. And if everybody in, in a team game, especially in football is following their directive and doing everything they can to the best of their ability, no, no matter what, and, and executing their, their instructions, their, 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 their orders to touch the baseline. Everybody pulls that off, then the entire team succeeds. But I think more than anything, and uh, it's, it's just a discipline. It's, it, it's, it's doing something you don't want to do because you know you have to do it. It's, and it's so trivial when you break it down. But I, I think it starts with these kids uh, at 10, 11, 12 years old. And I know you could probably sit here and tell us, and I'm sure you outlined it in the book of, of, of instances where things that you didn't want to do in practice and, and things that you questioned that uh, drove you to do that. I, 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 parents are, parents are getting in the way, man. <laughs> yeah. I've since yeah. retired from coaching. Uh, it's a lot different now than it was even when, when I started coaching and uh, even when I was playing. So, um, I, I, I just want to ask you about those things. I think they're important. And you being a professional athlete have been around a lot of professional athletes um, and can probably verify to anyone listening that the the coach who, you know, there are coaches that are just jerks, you know, they're living out there, high school dream, whatever. But there are a lot of coaches that are asking your kids to do something for a reason that's going to pay off in ways for your kid that you can't even begin to fathom. Um, and sometimes it's going to hurt their feelings, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is. And I look, I've dealt, I've dealt with it in, let's just say gymnastics and, you know, I don't won't call names or anything, but you know, there's, there's one coach that is tough, hard, disciplined, and we're talking about girls. So there's a different mentality anyway than, than young men. And, you know, my daughter, I let her know that nothing's wrong with that. And that's what we like, and that's what we want. Yeah. If there's a problem and it's and it becomes personal, then that's my that's my business, and I'll handle that. But as an athlete, you listen, you digest it, you take what he says, and you do it. And yeah. if you can't, and if you can't do it, that's that's something different. Yeah. That's you know that's different. It's the ability, but 
coaching style, you know, that's, and that's how, how I tell all my, my girls, you know, it's not my youngest one because she's eight and she's just out there running around. But my oldest two is, yeah, you, you want to be coachable. And there's going to be times where you don't like being coached and, but you have to listen. You got to digest, take what they say and just move on and don't say nothing <laughs> and just, you know, just take it. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I've always told my kids, always listen to what they're saying and not how they're saying it. Yep. Take your yeah, emotions out of sure. it for a second and just break down what it is they're trying to tell you. And, and then for apply. sure. Well, cool. So, um, what, what's next for Dennis Haley? Yeah, I think for me is, um, I currently work in healthcare. Um, and I am on our operations executive team and I do efficiency projects for our hospital system. I go around to our, our practices within our region and, look at processes and make it more efficient. So if patients have check-in problems at one site, well, I go to that site, we bring a team together and we figure out how to make it better. So that's, you know, that's what I currently do now. And I think for me to kind of combine the two um, with my book is I really want to want the book and I want to push the book out because at the last chapter, I created what I call the five pillars to achieving your dreams. Um, and it's self-worth, work ethic, discipline, sacrifice, and relationships. And those are what my five pillars that I think are really are very successful in achieving your dreams. And I map them out um, in the final chapter of the book. Um, so really with that, I'll, my next my next adventure is creating a curriculum around those five pillars and really getting in depth and creating um, kind of a a workbook or a lesson around those five pillars and how to achieve your dreams um, and really speak into that. So that's, 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 that's next for me with, with the book and kind of the journey that I'm, I'm taking for the next steps with the book and kind of what's, what's in it. That's really cool. Um, who are you, who will you be targeting with the, the course itself? Will it be the athletes? Will it be the parents or, or will you, we have one for each or how, how will you do that? You know what? I'm gonna. It, it, it's gonna be universal. I think right now, um, and I think how I how I envision and how I dream about it um, coming to kind of fruitation is, um, yeah, for the athletes, for young athletes to be able to understand those pillars and what it takes, kind of each one, um, how to how to use it and how to put it in your life, and then from another perspective is kind of in the business world, um, being able to get in front of a team of um, salespeople, our team of um, people that, you know, leadership um, at a healthcare system to understand like, okay, these are the pillars to achieving dreams. And these are things that you can look and you can put to your everyday work ethic in your everyday life um, with your team and how to develop and how to, you know, make it more efficient. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, I, I look at it as universal, really. Yeah. I like that. I, I will say that uh, the athletes, need that as a class in high school and college and, and not, and maybe not just athletes, kids in general, we need, we need less math and less English and more stuff mm -hmm. like that. More. I, I agree. I agree. And that's, and that's kind of, and that's, that's kind of the backing behind the backstory behind the book and some of the stuff that I put in it is because I didn't have it coming through. I didn't have anybody tell me, you know, these things and how to be successful. And even, but even after playing professional football, that was probably the hardest journey that I ever had to take was trying to find a job and figure out what 
what I needed to do next because I didn't prepare. All I knew was football and nobody told me, hey, let's prepare for life after football. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And I think these pillars is really, you know, understanding my self-worth. I didn't really think I was worth anything but to be a football player. Um, I hadn't developed a whole lot of relationships, but football relationships, um, work ethic. I had work ethic and discipline, <clears throat> but it was, you know, it was in a different mindset and really understanding that and putting that together. So, yeah, that that is a course that I'm, I, I'm with you 100 percent that should be talked about at, to every athlete at every level. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have that coming up either. And here, here's a, uh, I, I was, I was a good athlete. I wasn't an exceptional athlete. I was a good, very good athlete. Um, and I had, this is back when AAU had just started, right? I mean, it started probably what the late seventies basketball, but mm-hmm. this, this is the mid eighties. And, uh, I went to a, uh, I think a 15 and under tryout for an AAU team. Went the first two days, coach pulled me aside, said, you're doing a great job. You know, we're looking forward working together, you know, we want you to do this and that. And, uh, I didn't go the third day and I got cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought I'd made it, you know, right. And just yep. looking back at just being a 15, 16 year old kid. Uh, if I'd had somebody, something like you were talking about someone to really kind of put that mind. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if it had, would have stuck um, yeah. at 15, but it would have come right. back around at 22 or 25, mm-hmm. or 35, or whatever the yep. case would be. So. Um, we, we, we need some of that good deal. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that coming fruition for you and, and seeing well, that thank develop. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, um, all right. Anything, uh, you want to add before we go? Um, you can purchase the book, the playbook, the art of dreaming. You can purchase it, um, on Amazon, or if you want an autographed copy, you can inbox me, um, on Facebook at the Dennis Haley. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Dennis Haley uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Dennis Haley 58. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so I, I have to, uh, I have to apologize. I did buy the book, uh, but I <laughs> haven't had a chance. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to read it all yet. Um, uh, that's all right. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm in a PhD Perfect. program in, uh, hey. <laughs> I read 250 pages to, a week, I have, man. I barely got time to read emails. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, man, it's it's nonstop. So I, I get it, man. When I come home, if I'm not, if I don't crash, it's always we're ripping. Look, I'm talk, I've got basketball. I have emails coming in all different directions every day. So it's, yeah. I, I get it. It's tough. Yeah. It's real tough. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Dennis. It was a, it was oh, a good conversation. You. Um, you know, and I'm looking forward to reading the book and, uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, employ anyone who's listening, uh, go out and buy the book, support Dennis, um, and, uh, and spread the word and share the word. So again, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming back. Maybe we'll have you come back uh, some other time. Yeah. I like, I like, I, I can talk, I can talk sports all day. <laughs> I can talk life all day. I like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. All right. And we'll be Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. See ya.
want to thank you again for your support, for listening. Please remember to share and help us get the word out. And until next time, I'll see you then.